0: This morning, um, uh, I did a message fundamentally titled, Don't Be Complicated. And the idea is is to explore the spiritual or biblical reality of how Jesus simplifies things. Basically, uh, in the Old Testament, there are lots of rules and regulations culminating in the Ten Commandments. And then Jesus comes along and says, even ten is too many, these two. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. Like, can we simplify things? And I really want to appeal that in the world in which we live in, it doesn't have to be complicated. It gets complicated because other people want to make our lives complicated. And then we feel like we're, we're, you know, we, we feel insecure if we don't have a very complicated life. Like, complexity is somehow like a reward now. And it doesn't have to be. Jesus came to simplify things. I was once a sinner. I am saved by grace. I follow Jesus, and he leads me into eternal joy. I mean, let's just keep it simple, right? And years ago, there used to be a political party in South Africa called KISS. Did you know that? Okay, before you were born. It was a political party called KISS. Keep it simple, stupid, which is very rude, didn't do well, didn't do well obviously. obviously it, was, it sounded like everybody who joined the party was stupid. But somebody came to me after the service and said, let's just rebrand it, keep it simple, saints. And I thought that's quite good. But tonight I want to talk to you about how not to be boring. Now, I prayed very hard and I said, Lord, will you send... The right people <laughs> do this message. I'm joking, I'm joking. That's just, excuse me, that's just very rude. I, I may sit on these and then that won't be funny. Um, I, I, here's what I mean. And then we'll go to some scripture. The pursuit for adventure is at an all-time high. And we have to keep generating content to put out there about our amazing lives. But I think a lot of it is a lie. And I think you can only do so much with lighting <laughs> and a backdrop before you actually have to live a, an adventurous life. And, and I, I'm, I'm worried that uh, we, in the effort to look like it's life is awesome, we're actually living Uh, boring lives and there's a reason why there's something in scripture about this because in addition to Jesus uh, uncluttering our lives Jesus also provokes us uh, into a world or an arena outside of our comfort comfort zone uh, into adventures that are spiritually inspired that you might never have thought you would be that kind of person and when you get there you discover this is awesome and it's changing me. A lot of people limit their life experiences to things that they're comfortable with. But sometimes you've got to let God take you to uncomfortable places in order to discover who you are rather than you deciding who you can be. You've got to to let the Lord lead. And I want to encourage you today uh, to find it in you uh, how to define your your life in an adventurous way uh, and, and overcome uh, I mean, boring is such a—it's a harsh word. But maybe let's put it this way: let's redefine what is boring and what is adventurous. Because I think the definition is wrong. I think I think people think going to church every Sunday boring. You know, and then and then and then uh, adventurous is is like ate at a different restaurant every night of the week. Adventurous. Now, some restaurants that is an adventure. It's a medical adventure that you're busy going on. You're testing your your medical capabilities. But what what if? consistency can be an adventure and what if building your life line by line, step by step is the great adventure? What if uh, stepping onto the path God has for you and then letting him direct it will take you to the most extraordinary life you could possibly imagine? And how disappointing to accumulate a lot of things you think are awesome. I need to find out they're not, they're not really and so let's look at some scripture on that. There is a verse, uh, it's, uh, it's an aggressive verse, but, but it's worth reading. And the goal tonight is to um, encourage you to answer four statements for yourself personally on how adventurous or boring you are. We'll do a little test. I didn't want to use the word test during a school holiday. It's a little test. You don't have to hand your paper in or anything. Jesus knows the answer. Luke chapter three, verse 17. Speaking of uh, God or Jesus, excuse me. Thank you. I don't know what's going on. It's the devil, I tell you. Uh, His winnowing fork is in his hand to clear his threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his barn. But he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. Uh, It's a farming illustration. And the way that that uh, works in Old, in the old times was they didn't have machines. So what they would do is they'd get all the wheat off the field. And I don't know if you know much about wheat. I'm sure you've seen some odd, odd photos, but there's a seed in the middle of a whole lot of dry leaves and like a stalk, those dry leaves and, and stalks are chaff. And you, don't, you can't eat them. Uh, they, make, they make things look bulky, but they've got no n- n- nourishment in them. I want you to think about that. Makes things look bulky or busy, but that doesn't add any nourishment to your life. And this scripture is telling us, that one of the things God does is he takes the winnowing fork. Now, I've actually done this. It's super cool. It uh, doesn't really get done anymore, but when I was a kid, yeah, 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 yeah. when I was a kid, just after the great plague, I mean, I don't know, how old do you think that, you know, So my grandmother used to uh, winnow wheat like this. And what you would do is you would wait for a windy day. This is quite a breezy day. And they would put all the wheat up on top of a flat roof. Um, uh, Most of the roofs in those days were flat for this very reason. Because if you left them on the ground, the goats would eat them. You put it up top there and you let it dry out in the sun a bit. And on a windy day... You would come with this fork and you would move the, 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 the seeds up into the air and the wind um, would, would blow away the leaves because they were light and the, and the, and the wheat, which is, is heavy, would fall to the ground. And you would keep the one. Now, here's the thing. Now, sometimes you say to yourself, why so much turbulence in my life? And sometimes you say, I feel like I'm in a tornado. I feel like I'm fighting against the wind. And what I want you to know that God sometimes sends that so that you can take everything in your life and you're like an offering before the Lord. That's how they used to do offerings. You'd offer it before the Lord. And the stuff that's light but has no substance would just blow away. And the stuff that's solid, that's got value, a seed, something you can sow or something you can knead and turn into bread, it stays. And let me tell you, the stuff that blows away was never meant for you. And the stuff that stays is what God has planned for you. Can you say amen? And, and you know, you might sometimes feel, ah, oh, you know, I'm so frustrated. You know, this left my life and that left. My... Let me tell you, if it was meant for you, it would have stayed. And if it wasn't meant for you, the wind of the Spirit just moved it along. Now, some of us, we'd be chasing the wind. Which is why Ecclesiastes says, be careful because chasing after irrelevant things is like chasing the wind. It's this idea of, oh no, I want it. Come back to me, come back to me. God's like, you're leaving the valuable stuff and you're going to fall off a roof. Just come back. And I think there's value in recognising let the Lord do his work in sifting out the stuff that's got no meaning and holding on to the stuff that does. I wanted to try to define your life in one line or two lines uh, tonight. You know, there's a chapter in the Bible that I really strongly recommend you give a read through. We're going to read a little bit of it tonight. It's Hebrews chapter 11. The old-time preachers called it like the, what's it, the, the, the heroes of faith uh, um, uh, scripture. It's all the guys in the Bible, a few of the guys in the Bible, and what they did for God or because of God. I'm going to read a a couple. You know the first verse, probably, if you've been around. You know the first verse. Hebrews uh, one says, Now faith is the confidence in what uh, we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. So those of you, King James, faith is the substance of things hoped for, evidence of things unseen. This is what the ancients, the old Christians, were commended or complimented for. By faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. And then look at this. By faith, Abel brought God a better offering than Cain did. By faith, he was commended or complimented as righteous when God spoke well of his offering. By faith, Abel still speaks even though he's dead. And then verse five, by faith, Enoch was taken from the south. I don't know if you know the Enoch story. He just never died. Just one day, he just, <laughs> gone. There's even a child there saying, that's, 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 I was there, I saw it. So by faith, Enoch was taken from the south so that he did not experience death for he suddenly could not be found because God had taken him away. For before he was taken, he was commended or complimented as one who pleased God. Just before we go to the next verse, you know what that means? It means, here's Enoch's one-liner. Enoch pleased God so much that God spared him death and took him home. Abel did things better, and God honoured him. One-liners that define your life. And those are so incredibly uh, valuable. Um, verse six says, uh, "And without faith, it is impossible to please God, uh, because anyone who comes to Him must believe that He exists and that He rewards those who earnestly seek Him." And then again, back to verse ten, "By faith, Noah." And the rest of the chapter, I, yeah, I think you should uh, give it a read, make a note. Is is just one line per mighty man or woman of faith? So, what's your line? Like, what's your line? Um, as you think about the adventure of faith with God in your life, what is your line going to be? Is it going to be negative or positive? Um, Is your one-liner over your life uh, uh, going through stuff? Is your one-liner, like I shared this morning, it's complicated. Is your one-liner positive? I put my trust in God. He made a way where there seemed to be no way. You've got to anchor yourself in something that is an adventure of faith. And so tonight I thought, thank you, amen. I'm just accepting that as an amen moment. Um, So tonight I thought I would give you four guidelines, four um, statements on uh, how to put your hand, your life in God's hand to live a generous or an adventurous faith. And the first thing you need is a statement of Loyalty. A statement of loyalty. Uh, This morning, um, uh, this morning, uh, uh, we had a lot of people in church. Uh, um, One or two of them were not wise. They were not wise because they came uh, in a way that uh, provoked um, Mike um, to say something a little bit unchristian from the stage. And what happened was Uh, a couple of them came in all-blacks rugby jerseys. And Mike, you were wondering where this was going. You were wondering, weren't you? And Mike said, you know, like he always says, like, if you're able to, would you please stand with me? And then he slipped in from the stage. You can go watch the YouTube. And those of you here in all-black rugby jerseys can leave now. And then then we were like, but no, we are here to reach the lost. Like, you can't. It cannot. We must go and find the broken and the confused, those who are in darkness. Must see a great light. You know what I mean? Um, So I just I find it amazing. Those very same people, never seen them in church with an all-black jersey. Never seen them in church, but this Sunday, after what happened. After, like after what happened, were you not, I don't know, I don't know, what happened, or did you not watch stuff? After what happened, there they were. You know what they are doing? They were like, I'm going to declare my allegiance. In fact, even if they down, I'm declaring my allegiance. Do you know what? Um, uh, you know, I, I get it that we don't have to put, you know, tattoo a fish, fish on our forehead, but you also don't have to pack your faith so far away. I don't know where your loyalties lie to just, even if all it is at the moment is like just the emoji of a cross on your, you know, IG profile, like, but you got to, you, you have to put your flag on something and say, this is my belief. You just, you, you just have to, you know, one day you want to be able to say, this is my wife, this is my husband, you know, in the appropriate combination. Who <laughs> oh, am I going to get emails? <laughs> Mike at. I'm just saying you you're going to say my, my child my child my child my dog my goldfish you know my Aliconda, or whatever it is that you are anchored so it should be okay to say my faith yeah. my church my people my Bible. We're allowed to say my to stuff and I think we need to start saying a bit more. And I think we need to be able to say by definition of loyalty, we are also defining what we are not attaching loyalty to. I think there's uh, something valuable about that. You know, Joshua chapter 24, I used it this morning. Uh, That's the only verse I've used in both services, by the way, if you are here from both. I also used it in my men's group, my, my men's and business men's groups all week last week. Joshua 24, you know the next verse, but watch this. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, to some of you, because now we're amongst new people and we're seeing new things that got into the promised land. But if it seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods, uh, your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are now living. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. You got it. You got to have loyalty to some things, you know. And loyalty must come out. You know, loyalty is. You know, there's a verse. Um, there's a verse in the Message translation that says, "Isn't the, it's from Galatians, but it's in the Message translation. says, here's what happens when God takes over. We start to we start to build a life.'" made out of loyal commitments. It's very powerful. This idea of the fruit of the Spirit includes such ideas as an ability to stick to something. Do you know, uh, you're an adventurous person. You're a boring person when you walk away when things get tough, but you're a brave person when you stand your ground and say, this is my faith. Can you say amen to that? You, you, you've got to be able to do that. And I, I think um, uh, boring is uh, going with the wind. Any new doctrine, new idea, new thing, that's pretty boring. Do you know what's brave and adventurous? Uh, in the rain and in the sunshine, this is the walk. This is my faith. I will walk it, I will live it. It's mine. Can't separate me from it. It's just not. Can you say amen to that? So define your, your statement of loyalty. Secondly, define your statement of identity. Now I know I could be in big trouble by talking about identity in this world where identity is very, very, very simple. Listen to the morning service, it doesn't have to become complicated. Really, it really doesn't have to become complicated. You see, uh, people are telling us things are complicated and then we're going, oh yeah, they are. But maybe you just pause and go, no it isn't. And But what I really mean by identity is who am I in relation to my, my maker? So your identity tonight is not relative. Is that a, is that a ring? Is that, did you record your cat? Did you record your cat as a ringtone? Let me just tell you, Jesus brought you all the way out of dispatch to get help tonight. <laughs> yeah, I'm joking, Gary. Joking. Um, but 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 um, interesting turn. Uh, anyway, but but uh, your identity. Let me just tell you the most important identity. Forget for, for, forget uh, forget um, biological identity. Your most important identity is the identity relative to God. You are either lost in your relationship with Him, or you are redeemed in your relationship with Him, you're in right standing in your relationship, or you're far from Him in your relationship, you're either a child of God and a son, or a slave to sin, you could be a servant, but the most important identity to define your life is the identity of my relationship, relative to my relationship with God. Can you say amen to that? That's, that's the most crucial thing. And maybe what you've got to say is uh, a statement of loyalty. This is what I believe. A statement of identity. This is who God has made me. Will help you live an adventurous life. First Corinthians chapter 5 from the message, uh, verse 6 through 8. Some people pass it off as a small thing. see what he's saying but it's anything but that. Yeast, too, is a small thing, but it works its way through a whole batch of, of bread dough pretty fast. So get, get rid of this yeast. Our true identity is flat and plain, not puffed up, with the wrong kind of ingredients. I nearly called this message flatbread faith. Like I thought that might like be a pizza for the Lord, but um, it's so it's, it's like, also available in the coffee shop after service. But um, <laughs> well, let me tell you, well, let me tell you uh, what this verse is, is defining. You know, the children of Israel used to eat flat bread, unleavened uh, bread, which is just bread that hasn't uh, uh, proofed through yeast, as they went through the wilderness. And they did that to say... The raw ingredients of wheat and water over a fire is who I am. I don't need to be fancy to be somebody. I don't need to be, have a lot of extra ingredients. I'm just the simplicity of the bread, which is wheat of the word and water of the spirit mixed together. That's enough to define me Thanks. That's so important. People add ingredients, fancy cars and fancy vibes and fancy uh, threads, both real and digital. And they're adding them all, but actually don't get puffed up the flatbread of the ingredients of wheat, which is the word, and water, which is the spirit, blended together properly. Okay, now I I am who I'm meant to be. And I really want to encourage that and clarify, and clarify that for you. Hey, by the way, I'm um, doing like two, I'm trying to do two um, grammatical, what's it? No, I don't know what the right term is trying to make the statements easy for you to remember but if you write them down and I know you don't write them down really. you just imagine in your head uh, they make up the word life so the first is loyalty and the second is identity li so let's go let's go to do three more to go two more how many two more um, the, the next one is not a popular term in South Africa, but it's, um, got, it's got a good definition in the dictionary. The, uh, a statement of fraternity. Who are my people? Fraternity. Who are my people? Do you know, um, a boring life, let me just tell you, a boring life is, um, is limiting your exposure uh, to only people who think exactly like you and limiting your, your church life to people who only have the same kind of gifts as you. Let me tell you what's adventurous for me. I kind of like preaching. I think God gave me this great privilege to do it for the majority of my life. Let me tell you what's the, an adventure for me is having lunch with a prophet. Because I'm not like, you know when I mean prophet though, like I see the Lord to be sure. Something uh, down and the bread pump. Because, you know what, if I have lunch with another preacher, easy peasy. If I have lunch with a prophet, I'm like, Lord, let me just repent first of all, of all anything. And then when we have lunch with this, Lord, we just keep them calm, not embarrass me somewhere in the restaurant. Can we sit around, you know, always choose a restaurant or the corner. Because a prophet's always going to be, you know the Lord just said something to you right now. I'm like, now, between ordering, like, <laughs> did, he, did he now just say something to you? Like after you finished said burgers and chips, did the Lord then interrupt that? Between that and I'll have tomato sauce. What did he say? It puts me into a whole spinner and then my favorite is, I, I can't even eat this meal until I've prayed for you. Like, oh, it's going to happen now. It's going to happen now, Lord. I worked so hard on gelling this hair. Now I'm going to go from curly to flat, just like that. Hand is coming. It's going to be pretty awkward. Please lay hands on people's shoulders. It's just better in Africa. Just hands on shoulders. And then sometimes when I hang out with an evangelist, you know, they're like next level people. Like we're just innocently walking from point A to point B, They spot a person. Jesus told me, I've got to go tell that person God loves him. I'm like, oh, this is going to be awkward. That person probably has a wife, kids. They're going to come out, want to footer us now for getting involved in their lives. But they're like, well, this is what the Lord said. Let me tell you something. You need to widen your exposure to people who have been brought into the space to bring gifts and callings and perspectives and passions you don't have. Because if you don't do that, here's what lands up happening. You start thinking your idea is the only idea. From there, you think your idea is the right idea. And then from there, you think everybody else's idea is the wrong idea. And now you're in conflict. You either get revival or you get revolt. Which one do you want? And I really wanted to encourage you on that. And Hebrews 13, <clears throat> Hebrews 13, 16 says, make sure you don't take things for granted and get slack in working for the common good. Share what you have with others. God takes particular pleasure in acts of worship, a different kind of sacrifice that takes place in the kitchen and in the workplace and on the streets. This is a message translation encouraging us that worship doesn't only happen in church. It, worship happens by inviting someone to dinner and worship happens by serving people in need out on the streets. And uh, adventure is widening your fraternity, the, being part of a body and a community and a family and something remarkable. Now, let me just warn you. There'll be some crazy people in, you know. You, there'll be some crazy people in your community. You're gonna, I don't know, go to a small group, and there'll be a crazy person there. And if there isn't a crazy person there, <laughs> the other people think it's you. Um, <laughs> no, but the, you, you know, you've got to go with that. I'm very. Let me show you something. I, I wrote an article. I see we're at seven o'clock. I wrote an article for the Herald at the request of the pastors in PE. Um, and it's going to be published in a week or so or two. It depends. They, they choose based on how much news they've got. Um, and it's about um, the next generation and faith. And it came out of me being at Varsity for like 15 years preaching the gospel. Let me tell you what I'm worried about for your generation. That's anybody sort of 25 and younger, Just the generation just after me. Okay, <laughs> off my prayer list. <laughs> let me tell you, uh, are you guys okay? Did you find what you needed to find there? I don't know, something was lost there. Oh, they've got to go back. Um, let me tell you what I'm worried about. You are uh, being raised to, to avoid awkwardness. And yet, awkwardness is what grows you and matures you. So what happens is, you know, in my generation, if you sat at a dinner table and there was the awkward uncle, you couldn't say, excuse me, please, I'd like to go. You just had to cope with the awkward uncle. You just had to accept that there were people like that. And you had to make conversation and just be part of the community. You couldn't tap out and go and, you know, post on Instagram, you know, my weird family or... You know, yourself in front of a mirror with a phone covering your face, tongue sticking out and a thing on the side. You couldn't do that. It'd be like you sit here until we're done with dinner, and if uncle's being inappropriate, you just got to just work with it. And now we're not being taught that. We're like, oh no, it's too much. It's making me, you know, it's, it's triggering me. I'm triggered. I got to go to my bedroom. I'm triggered. <laughs> Am I being inappropriate? You've got to stop being triggered. You just have to cope with it. You don't know this. But 10 years from now, there's going to be a 13-year-old sitting at a dinner table, and you are the trigger. (laughs) You. You're so super cool, now everything, everything triggers you. Next year, you are the problem. And you're going to be sitting alone at that dinner table, eating your Nando's with nobody there because they're all tweeting about you or threading about you in the next room. You have to cope with it. You're going to marry someone, you're going to love her to bits and she's going to have an uncle. <laughs> and you're going to go to the lunches. <laughs> We're just preventing people from learning how to be in Community. You join a church, and then you know somebody irritates you, or somebody sat on your seat, or you know somebody jumped in in front of you at the coffee line. You just got to go. Hey, that's community. If you can, try and pay for it. Stop liking the posts of other people walking around and tapping gifts for people in America somewhere, and then just do it over there. Be in community okay, I got that off my chest. I don't know if I need the article anymore. I'm, gonna, I'm recalling it. I said everything. No, I, I, I'm, I'm quite serious about that. And my generation have, are so scared of hurting your feelings and being cut off that we don't want to tell you this. So it's this awkward standoff. You're being awkward and constantly leaving the room And we're being awkward because we're like scared we're going to be cancelled from your life. So like, so we all got this like really awkward like courtesy of nonsense. It's not okay. It's not going to work well for you. Jesus is going to work well for you. You Walk by faith and not by sight. He's going to change your life. Amen. That's the quickest exit. Okay, a statement of eternity. E for life. L-I-F-E. Life. Statement of eternity. You know, one of the most adventurous things you can do with your life is to say no for now because I'm building on something forever. That's brave. Recognising that one of the most important things in my life is self-denial, is <laughs> to say no and, and to believe for better. Mark 8, 34 is that famous scripture. He called the crowds to him along with his disciples and said, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross and follow me. Um, if you say yes to everything that you feel, um, your life's going to become boring. And if you only have people in your life that think and act like you and walk away from everything that triggers you, your life's going to be boring. And if you're loyal to nothing, your life's going to be boring. It might even be broken. And, you have, and if you have no clue what your identity is in relation to God, it's, it, your life's going to be broken. But if you can anchor your flag and say, this I believe, and if you can define your identity, I am a child of God. I'm a member of the household of God. Chores are not a burden to me because I'm a member of a family. And if I can go from there into community and understand that it With all its awkwardness, the uniqueness that everybody brings changes me, grows me, improves me, nudges me outside of my comfort zone. And if I can remember, this all must count for eternity. You'll have an adventure of a life. And it really doesn't matter where you have it geographically. God will make a way. Can you say amen? Would you please stand with me? Let's pray. Um, There's a a little team uh, of of guys and girls up front to pray uh, for you, and the way we do it here is we just encourage guys to go and ask for a a, a male to pray for them, ladies to ask for ladies to pray for you, and... um, the goal here is if the Holy Spirit worked in your life in some way and you want prayer, you just come. It doesn't matter whether it has anything to do with the topic of conversation or anything to do with It's just like God is working in my life and I need prayer, please. And you can say what it's about or not at all, and we'll pray for you. There's also communion on either side of the stage every Sunday. And you can have it before church, during worship, after church, no problem. And if you're here with one or two friends, stand in a circle and serve on another communal. Write a prayer request and keep it confidential. We'll take it to the pastor's meeting and pray for you. But for tonight, can we pray that God will lead us in a life of spiritual adventure? Are you good with that? Lord, will you please teach us not to close off our, close off our hearts and, and close off our, our hands and close off our minds to the things we're familiar with only. Will you shatter the ceiling and stretch us beyond our comfort zone into new spiritual spaces? Please remind us that things can so easily just feel so small and we can feel so claustrophobic and we can feel like we want to run away. But actually, the adventure that awaits is not running away. It is waiting on the Lord who shall renew my strength so that I might rise up on wings as eagles, run and not grow weary, walk and never faint. Lord, would you please give our lives spiritual purpose? Help us define our life statement those, those four definitions that are life to us. Will we please teach us or lead us into the adventures of faith. And while we've got everybody's eyes closed for a moment, just one last prayer. If if you're here tonight and you're not clear about your identity as it relates to God, like are you are you far from God, close to God? Are you a son, or do you feel like more a sinner than a son, like a son or a daughter? I feel like that. That's a space that you need to be super clear about, and I wondered if I could just ask you if you're here tonight and you uh, you kind of realize, okay, I need to I need to put my flag up, I need to cross the line and make a statement, and my statement is that Jesus is the one I will follow. So my path or my plan is is a faith plan, a faith path. I need to. Go down that road. That's the, that's the road for me, the, the Christian walk. And you need to have a starting date or a starting moment or a crossing of the line moment. Why don't you do that tonight? So if you're here tonight and you need to do that, we've just got a minute. I just need a minute with everybody sort of in prayer, eyes closed, so it's not awkward. If you're here tonight for and, and this is that moment, would you just raise your hand long enough for me to see it? I want an action from you and I'll just put you in my prayer in this next moment. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. I do, I do see some of you guys have got your hands up. Thank you. Just long enough for me to see it. I have to just kind of wave it a bit so I can see it. Thank you. Church, would you mind if we prayed a prayer together? And if you put your hand up and you just want somebody to give you a Bible or some guidance on your way forward, come to the front and one of our team will do that. If you don't have a Bible, we'll give you a New Testament for free. But church, could we all together pray a prayer just in support of the guys who put their hands up? Maybe a short little prayer. I'll say a sentence you repeated, something like that, right? Let's go. Lord Jesus, thank you for opening my eyes to my condition tonight. I choose to follow you. Me and my household, we will serve the Lord, is becoming my personal statement. Forgive me for drifting and going my own way. Take charge. In Jesus' name. Amen. Do you want to give a a celebration? A round of applause, a clap?